1: Welcome to Gator Tales. I'm your host, Adam Schick. We knew change was coming on the tail end of Billy Napier's first season, and whether by draft, portal, or dismissal, this past week made it clear that the team we see in the Las Vegas Bowl and the one that takes the field in 2023 will look markedly different. On today's show, we'll welcome the voice of the Gators, Sean Kelly, and FloridaGators.com senior writer, Scott Carter, to discuss Anthony Richardson's move to the NFL, Other notable departures announced this week, an early read on the Las Vegas Bowl and what it means for the program, volleyball hitting the road to keep its national title dreams alive, and the growing impact of the transfer portal on college football in the PAT. Then, gator great Patrick Young shares the harrowing story of how he became paralyzed after a devastating car accident, and the ways he's used the most significant challenge of his life as a way to dig deep and inspire others. But first... It's time for the Gator Roundtable presented by Pet Paradise. Pet Paradise is your complete pet healthcare destination with resort-style day camp, overnight boarding, professional grooming, and compassionate veterinary care from New Day, all located under one roof to serve pet fanatics like you. Book today at PetParadise.com, the official pet care provider of the Florida Gators. We welcome you into this week's roundtable. We have the voice of the Gators, Sean Kelly, and FloridaGators.com senior writer, Scott Carter. Uh, Guys, it's been a really interesting week of news for Florida football. It's hard to know exactly where to start, but we'll, we'll go with the headline that obviously garnered the most attention. That is Anthony Richardson declaring for the NFL draft. It's something that we've talked about, we've alluded to throughout the year. We knew it was always a possibility out there. I think some of us thought it was maybe less likely because of how he performed over the course of the season. Uh, But as we talked about, I think mostly offline, the NFL, today's NFL, they're happy to take on a project if they see huge upside. So even if we all acknowledge that Richardson is a huge project and has a high risk factor, The NFL guys would say, "Yeah, but the ceiling is also super high, and that's probably why he was convinced to go into the draft." And pretty sure someone's going to give him
0: an opportunity at a a high slot. Congratulations to Anthony and his family. If if this goes as Anthony and his family hopes, this is life changing money that we're talking about. This is a chance to play at the highest level, which is what all of these young players dream of. I I am super supportive of his decision, and I would have been. The other way, too. And I know that's playing both sides of it. Um, certainly, you know, selfishly, I would have liked to see seen him after a full year as a starter, what he would do for the Gators next season and what it would mean for his overall development. But at the same time, I, you know, as we've discussed, there's no denying the skill set, the physical attributes that Anthony Richardson has. And Adam, you're right. We've talked about this. The NFL, much like the NBA nowadays, uh, is drafting more and more on potential. And so now it comes down to and our hope would be for Anthony that he gets drafted by the right football team one that perhaps has somebody in place at that position and can be in that position for a couple of years let's say like like the Seattle Seahawks for example Gino Smith is entrenched now there as the starter but really it's probably another year or two and then they'll be looking to to move on so is that the kind of place that Anthony goes to has time to develop as a pro i unfortunately would would not like to see him go to a place where they have to ask him to play right away because I think there is more development that needs to be done. But um, I'm, I'm, I wasn't going to be surprised one way or the other. I kind of felt like this was a 50, 50 thing. And obviously we know now where, where Anthony has ultimately decided.
2: Yeah. I mean, that was going to be the, the big question mark is the off season for the Gators uh, with the current roster. You know, Anthony made it the decision pretty quick. I, I was like, Sean, I heard both sides and you're kind of like well until Anthony says it uh, I'm not really going to you know believe too much uh, and you know he he took care of that this week and, and like Sean said I mean this is I I totally understand uh why you make this decision you know, if I was him and in his shoes I probably would be leaning that way as well just because of the opportunity I mean uh he's he's going to be able to uh change the the trajectory I think of his his family just you know if he's a first round pick and and then of course it goes back let's talk about the football part because you know I don't think anyone is gonna sit or you know sit here and say Anthony's a a finished product of course he's not he's he I think he would have really benefited some as a football player to come back next year and play for the Gators and they certainly would have loved that. Having said that, he's he's not even going to be 21 by draft. He doesn't turn 21 until May. So he, wow. whoever drafts him, they're getting a 20-year-old top-flight prospect who has an amazing arm talent, uh, athletic ability, running ability, just the size of a linebacker at quarterback. And it, like Sean said, if, if he can get in the right spot and not just get beat up the first couple of years he's in the league and and has a chance to really, you know, be used in the right spots and uh just come along slowly. I, I think it's a uh, he could really blossom, uh, but you know, there's someone's gonna take uh Anthony Richardson in the draft, and they're gonna get, I think, the a prospect that as the draft mock drafts come about, guys, I don't think there's gonna be any player where the opinion is all over the map as much sure. as Anthony Richardson is in this draft. Uh, it's gonna be interesting to watch, but. He's a special talent and I, I think uh, probably made the right decision with the buzz around him right now.
1: Yeah, I think that the harder question to answer, and I think we, maybe we're too close to it, but I do wonder from conversations I've had with people, what is the legacy of Anthony Richardson at Florida? Because here's a, a local kid who had obviously the sky high town. Everybody was waiting for him to show up and what he could do. And ultimately, he leaves with a sub 500 record, he lost more games on the field for Florida than he won. So I guess there's maybe a sense of unrealized potential for what he could have been as a Gator. It's kind of a complicated question to parse, but I'm just curious for your your general thoughts on that.
0: The Anthony Richardson era, if we can even call it that, because it's such a short run, is interesting in the fact that he bridges two head coaches. Uh, you know, with regard to Dan Mullen and then Billy Napier. Uh, and and he goes from uh, sharing the role with one quarterback, and then finally getting the chance to be himself a starter. And then it's in it's in the first year of a program that uh, yes, you know, if we're going to judge this on the wins and losses, it's hard to qualify Anthony as making a a real big mark in Florida Gators football history. Uh, I think he he's a part of the lineage, uh, and I think that maybe we won't evaluate Anthony Richardson as a Gator until perhaps what he does as a pro in representing the University of Florida and knowing that the foundation was, was you know, initially poured here in Gainesville. Um, so it's, it's an incomplete if we're using academic standards at the moment. Um, and, and I think that we'll look back at some individual performances that turn heads. And ultimately, I think in some ways we qualify Gators players or college football players by their ability not just to win, but to be able to be good enough to go play at the next level. And if he is able to check that box successfully, then I think this conversation it becomes more complete.
1: So the headline is that Anthony Richardson is leaving. Um, the subhead is, so are a lot of other guys. And we've talked about this. I think we all knew there was going to be a lot of attrition whenever you're into year one at the end of that first year with a new coach. Some guys who maybe thought they were bought in in December of last year maybe realized they weren't fully bought in at this point. Maybe they didn't gel. It didn't go the way they thought it would. We've seen some guys trickle out over the course of the last couple months. Some got thrown off the team. Some entered the portal early. But uh, as we have this conversation today, we're talking about, I think, roughly a third, so a little under a third of Florida's scholarship players will no longer be with the team next year for various reasons, draft, portal, kicked off, etc. Um It would take a long time to go through all those names. I'm curious which names you guys think are most impactful, maybe some surprises that are on the list of those that, that are leaving.
2: Well, this is an indication of a program in transition, right, guys? I mean, this is what happens. We haven't seen it maybe – on this scale before at Florida, but we could also say that about a lot of other places. I mean, the transfer portal has changed everything in this regard. Uh, And, you know, the Gators, uh, as we've talked about on the show, I mean, we knew there were going to be a lot of turnover on the roster. And, you know, when you ask about who surprised me, um, I don't know if anyone truly surprised me, Adam. I, I think there's some guys that, I look back and uh, I don't know if they made the best decision, you know, like you know, some guys, uh, you know, Lloyd Summerall for instance, he was one of the last ones to go. He was you know, he was a a guy who played on special teams here. He went in the portal last year, didn't land anywhere, came back and now he's going in again and it's not like he had a breakout season. So I just think you know, this is a learning process for everyone, really coaches, players, parents, administrators, and I, it will I hopefully correct itself out over time. But um, so guys like Lloyd Summerall or, uh, you know, a lot of the young guys who haven't played much, Corey Carter Jr. was one that, you know, I thought, okay, he, he to me he could have been a piece of the puzzle down the road, but obviously he didn't think so. And maybe the coaches didn't think so either and let him know. They had all their exit meetings last week. Where, and, you know, good thing about Billy Napier, I think, and his staff, I mean, they're straight shooters, so – I think they're going to be able to. It's a fair thing to do to the with the players with the timing of the uh, transfer portal coming up. So, um, again, I, I'm not really surprised by any of it. Uh, I like, you know, I had a friend text me guys that they all all whacked out about it and concerned. I said, guys, uh, you know, just remember this is a team that's 12 and 16 in its last 28 games. I don't know if you should be too alerted at any of this. And he calmed down.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, I think that that's the proper lens to look through some of this. Yes, you know, a, a guy like McMillan might have caught my eye.
1: Dejon Reynolds, who came on late in the year. That was a surprise.
0: Yeah, and, and other than those two guys, Adam, I, you know, I, I kind of see this as kind of a natural progression, whether it be for the program or the player themselves. Uh, to Scott's point about, you know, The quality of the roster at some point has to be objectively and honestly spoken about. And sometimes things like transfer portal will take care of that for you. uh, In some sense, it leaves you in an, in an awful lurch here, (laughs) frankly, with a bowl game still to play. I get that. And you know, I myself am scrambling to figure out who's going to be on my spotter boards next week for the Las Vegas bowl and all that. But um, look, we're not too far into this portal era but the math has told us here at least in recent history that 40 percent of these kids in the transfer portal um, will end up landing somewhere so that's I, if if that's me uh you know chances four and ten uh that's that's tough uh, but it also at the same time i think also speaks to probably the history of college football over the last 40 years which is at some point you recognize that this young man is not ready to play college football at this particular level. And eventually those things work themselves out without said transfer portal. Uh, and sometimes there's just natural attrition where, you know, guys figure out sometime during their college career that they're no longer able to to be in a position to be a college football player. All those, all those things come to be. And I know we're going to cover more of this a bit later, but with regards specifically to the Gators, other than one or two surprises – um, I'm not overly concerned or surprised about what's happening here. Uh, I think it opens the door for the full-on final push to reboot the Billy Napier roster. Um, you know, and of course, you, then you also have some some natural departures due to the NFL. Uh, I wish the best to Justin Shorter as well. Um, and look, you know, a guy like Osiris Torrance, is, you know, he's gonna he's an All American, and uh, I I will thoroughly enjoy the one season I get. To I had to get to uh, call his games, but that adds on to this list that that number you referred to, which is kind of, it takes your breath away at first, <laughs> but at the same time, um, it's somewhat of a natural progression too. We're also talking about a program that it's hard to define whose eligibility is left and who's not. I mean, the COVID yeah. year, forget about freshman, sophomore, junior. I mean, you know, we've got redshirt freshmen or whatever that have been here three, four years. Uh, we had a senior day where actually one or two guys, had two senior days so you know again this whole thing is in, in a mighty state of flux right now um, I think this opens the door uh, for the Gators to use the transfer portal themselves in a beneficiary way and also now um, you know remember we can only have so many scholarships uh, that requires I mean excuse me that requires space and so therefore a recruiting class which um, here this week got another huge uh, boost from what we're to understand and not officially comment one way or the other about, and <laughs> hint, hint, nod, nod, wink, wink, if you know what I mean. Uh, and so I think that guys like Scott, myself, others who are around this team every day, had this notion that uh, the roster come spring and certainly by next summer would look really, really different than what we just you know witnessed over the last three to four months.
1: You know, we will talk more about this next week, but uh, just touching on the bowl game The fact that, number one, it's happening, Florida's going to the Las Vegas Bowl, but number two, what does that mean for this program at this time? Because as we've just discussed, so many players we've seen this season are not going to be there, Um, and then the early timetable of it also sort of negates that advantage we talked about with having all the extra practices. So what are we to make of this Las Vegas Bowl and what it means to Florida at this time?
2: Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing it means is, you know, it's it's a final game for a lot of these players in their college careers. It's kind of the last page turned on Billy Napier's first season. And, you know, it is an earlier game, and I'm sure they would have preferred maybe to have a a game after National Signing Day and the holidays, but it didn't work out that way. You know, when you're 6-6, you don't and automatically have as much – say maybe your bargaining power is when you're eight and four or nine and three. So it's Las Vegas bowl against an opponent. That's going to be totally different in Oregon state. Uh, And I think the thing I've been thinking about, you know, I'm like you, like, what is there, you know, it, it's just going to be a, a lot of question marks uh, in that game. And the Gators are an underdog, but if I'm a young player on this roster and I don't know where I stand or even if I'm a walk-on who's been here three or four years, I haven't gotten to play that much, man. I'm really looking at this as like, hey, this is my chance. You know, This is my chance to go out there and see if I can do something to help the team. And uh, you know, maybe if you're a younger guy, uh, just catch the coach's attention going into the offseason. So I think it's a game of opportunity for some young people. And don't forget this, guys. It's a chance to... You win you win have a winning
1: record and that's never something to uh, take for granted you know when you're when you're in this position but more on that next week right now I want to talk about what Scott is doing. Scott is uh, taking on the bitter cold of Wisconsin with Gator volleyball. Uh, I was told feels like temp of 11 degrees. I don't know that many people are very jealous of that, but they're probably jealous you get a chance to follow volleyball as they continue on this path. Tell us about what to expect in their uh, their next step on the journey in trying to claim a national title?
2: Well, you know, this is around the Sweet 16, and they're playing Pitt uh, on Thursday up here in Madison, Wisconsin. Then the winner uh, faces either Wisconsin or Penn State on Saturday for a shot in the Final Four. And, uh, you know, it's uh, been a team, Adam, that, you know, obviously I haven't been around too much this season during football, but I, I went out last weekend at home and, And they took care of Florida A&M and then Iowa State in the first two rounds and looked really good doing it. And you know the storyline around this program—it's always been, you know, right there knocking at the door. Uh, Last made the NCAA finals in 2017. Still trying to get Mary Weiss that first national championship. Is this the year? Don't know, but you know it's it's going to be fun to see if they can do it. And they've got a whole different roster than when they did this last time uh, with the turnover. And you know, there's some players to watch uh, whether it's uh Merritt Beeson this freshman Alex um Stucky is really fun to watch uh so if you want to check these uh this team out the next what Thursday and Saturday hopefully uh they'll be on ESPN plus in these games and of course as the tournament progresses they'll get a lot more exposure from uh, ESPN
1: So be sure to follow Scott for updates on volleyball as they try and uh, break that ultimate glass ceiling for the program, claiming a national championship. Let's now turn to our PAT, and it's going to go back to essentially the place where we started. I want to talk about the transfer portal. Guys, I think this thing is broken. And I came to this conclusion last night when I saw that JT Daniels is transferring again. This is going to be the fourth school he has attempted to play for is probably the best way to put that. You know, when you hear the number of gators that are in the portal, I believe it's close to 20... this, this does not feel sustainable for college football. It doesn't feel good for college football. And I feel like we go through these extreme swings where we wanted, I do think it is good that the players have more flexibility, that they aren't locked in somewhere when, say, the coaches can do whatever they want. But it feels like maybe we've gone too far the other way now. And, and I just don't know what program is going to look like if you have guys like JT Daniels who are transferring every single year, and a guy has one game, he doesn't get in, he gets benched, he transfers like Clemson's quarterback. I, am I wrong here? You guys tell me, what do you think about the portal right now and how do we fix it? Or is it fixable?
0: I'm going to go with flawed. Um, <laughs> I don't think broken is 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 where I'm at just the moment. We could get there, uh, and maybe I'm just being naive, but I'll say flawed for sure. Um, we're, we're, we're in a situation now where it's unbridled free agency with no rules, no collective bargaining agreement, Right. Amongst those potential free agents. Um, so we don't see this kind of, you know, lawlessness and that's a kind of a strong word, but I'm trying to be funny, um, you know, at the <laughs> pro level because they have collective bargaining agreements. They have rules about free agency and uh, and whatnot. So, yes, we have seen the extreme where we're seeing guys transfer portal it every year. I still believe in the transfer portal in that I believe from a mental health standpoint, from a proper fit uh, with level of play measure it to uh, the level of division one football or any other sport to find the right fit for these young people. Um, you know, we've had free agency for the most part for coaches uh, and we see commitments, you know, not being held up on a coach's end. So why shouldn't the player have the ability to, to move freely as well? But at some point there has to be some guardrails. We have to get rid of perceived or <laughs> it's probably not perceived outright tampering in this situation, um, can can we change the recruiting period in some way that, uh, much like with the NFL, rather in regard to um, restricted free agency or uh, free agency happening before or after the draft? That's always always a common question. In the NFL, which one should come first? So should recruiting, high school recruiting, and transfer portaling. You know, have different uh, time frames. You know, how do we make this all work for all the parties involved? This this all goes back. To needing a commissioner of some kind, a czar of college football or the NCAA, for that matter, it's bad leadership. It's fractured television and conference and state laws at this point. Uh, in a lot of cases, and so flawed, maybe heavily flawed, is where I probably lean at the end of this.
2: Heavily flawed is is that's the good use of the English language, Sean. I uh, I do agree with what he just said i think that's a proper description um and you know guys it, it, there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there a lot smarter than me who have actually been thinking about this a lot and they don't seem to have the answers yet so i don't have the answers either but what i do know is that it's entertaining to kind of watch i'm not going to lie and say it's not it's but at the same time you know if you live and die by your college team uh it, it's got to be a, a little bit uneasy when you see all these players go in and again it's not just Florida Alabama has a load in the portal this year which is unusual uh there's a lot of big names out there uh and you know what I think I think of everything that's going on in the transfer portal and I've said this from day one I'm all for the players having this choice because I think it's right. And, you know, as Sean pointed out, the coaches have been doing this for years and years. So, hey, the players have it, too. So I got no problem with that. Uh, But I do have a little problem with the tampering that's going on. And there's a lot of it. And uh, oh,
0: yes, (laughs) there's a lot
2: of it. And it's it's that's not what this is about or was never meant to be about. Right. And, And you just you just feel for these young people because, you know, that they're getting so much in their ear. Lots From, of manipulation going on as well. Yeah, a lot of manipulation. And, and, you know, the grass is greener sometimes on the other side, but it's not going to be greener for the three 4,000 p- kids in the portal. It's going to be a very small percentage. And uh, you just hope that over time this corrects itself. There are some uh, guardrails, as Sean alluded to, put in place. And ultimately, I mean, uh, let's just call it like it is. I mean, this is all headed toward a professional sports model. Eventually, you're going to have to have at least football. Eventually, you're going to have to have a commissioner uh, who has some power and who can regulate some of this stuff. Or it's just going to continue to be the Wild Wild West. I think over time, that would cause harm to the game. And I'm all about the game, first and foremost. That's the only reason any of us are here talking about this. It's always – it just – you know, the game is going to suffer uh, I think long term, so that's why you gotta, you gotta, you gotta fix it. But if you look at the history of sports, all sports, they've all gone through eras where, you know, the sport lost some of its prestige or it was in financial trouble, whatever. I think college football is just in a different place right now. It's still hugely popular, but I think over time, if this were to continue, then it could hurt it some.
1: We've talked about the portal before. We'll talk about it again. It continues to be the uh, the driving story right now in college athletics. Um, but it's going to drive this conversation to a halt. Uh, thank you guys so much. We got a lot of great information today. More to come next week. Uh, and again, if you want to follow these guys, check out Gators Scott on the Twitter. Check out Sean Kelly Live. He's on there as well. And of course, FloridaGators dot gentlemen. Thank you so
0: much. Thanks, Adam. Go Gators.
1: Ever since stepping foot on campus as a highly touted McDonald's All-American for Billy Donovan back in 2010, the magnanimous Patrick Young has been a fan favorite and a Gator great loved by everyone. That's why Gator Nation entered a state of collective shock and denial just a few months ago when the news broke about the car accident that left him paralyzed from the waist down. But if anyone has the fighting spirit and belief it takes to beat the odds and walk once again, it's certainly Patrick who we last talked to during the early part of COVID in 2020. So before learning more about the moment that changed everything, we picked up where our conversation left off roughly two years ago.
3: I was in Israel, the 2020 season. Um, I got cut from my team in October. I went over to Greece to try to continue to rehab and get stronger and see if another opportunity opened up stay there for exactly 87 or 88 days. You know, you can stay within Europe for 90 days before, uh, if you don't have a visa before mm-hmm. uh, you run into some trouble. So I got out of there, came back home around end of the year. I was the guy back to Florida in Jacksonville when the Gators got their behinds whipped by Spencer Rattler <laughs> and uh, Oklahoma in the bowl game. I don't know why we played that game since we had like 30 players out. Yeah. Um, I don't understand that at all. Um, <clears throat> came back home, spent some time with the family, uh, wait to see kind of what I was feeling in that year. twenty uh, wasn't sure if I still want to do basketball or not. So I just took some time to really immerse myself back into life. Uh, a lot of things that I missed from being overseas and playing basketball for so long, really got involved in the church, uh, communities, uh, had some fun, you know, doing things that I hadn't done in a long time. Um, Kept working on my game, seeing if I wanted to play basketball, get, stay, trying to stay in shape, and still was feeling it. Just didn't know – didn't have that uh, desire as much. And then doors started opening up because um, I had reached out to the SEC Network back in 2020 right before things mm-hmm. kicked off with with, uh, with COVID in February and had plans for transitioning there. But um, around the mid-summer to, to early fall was when – some doors started opening. First off, we got, I got an opportunity to work with Tebow's for-profit company, Campus Legends. My first like nine to five, real job, real big. <laughs> job of transitioning into what that. was what was that like? Oh man, you talk about feeling out of place, but <laughs> it was it was just so you know. I feel like it's it's so encouraging when you may not feel as though you're ready, but those people see something in you that you don't yet, and they speak that confidence and trust and. Um, the ability that you're going to adapt and learn and that they envision that for you. So that, that helped me to see like, Hey, you're going to grow into this position we're going to help teach you and you're going to be great. So I was like, I don't see it yet, but ended up turning into be a really good position for me and doing something that was um, different and uncomfortable, but in a good way. Uh, then I got the call from ESPN with the SEC network and that door opened up for me as well. Did my interview with Alyssa Lang. uh mm-hmm. My competition was uh, Murphy Holloway from uh, Ole Miss. And <laughs> uh, as we can see, um, I was able to beat him out. At that, <laughs> and, uh, still have the position now. So uh, also re-, re in that year, reconnected with my now wife. And, uh, you know, story, long story short, we're married now. So uh, 2021 was a heck of a year.
1: Wait, give me give me the longer version of that. So wait, how did you? So I guess when you're traveling, you're overseas, you're living this whole different life. You come. It was this. A, was this a previous girlfriend? This is the good stuff. This is what the people right. want yeah, to know. Okay,
3: I appreciate that. Yeah. So my my uh, wife and I we met at in Gainesville at uh, Cantina One on One Cantina. <laughs> legendary, legendary. Rest, rest in peace. You know the world. They, they, no one will ever know about the. <laughs> The good old days of one-on-one. <laughs> she she was actually a bar. It's a restaurant first, then a bar, tiki hut in the back. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we met there. I think it was the first time I went there. And I was just like, wow, who is this woman? Who is this goddess? Uh <laughs> at and, the tiki uh, hut. At the, at tiki, the hut. tiki hut. I sit down. I think it was a slow, slow time. So I, you know, the, the rare opportunity, you get a chance to actually really talk to a bartender mm-hmm. and connect. And we, you know, just ask her all types of questions, get to know her. And uh I think I asked for a number. She's like, that's that's nice and all flatter, but I have a boyfriend and I'm just like jaw drops at that moment. It's like, ah, no mm. way. So uh, I am not deterred. I'm like, no, this woman is going to be mine some way. Like I'm going to. So every time I go to Cantina, uh, I'm looking for her and I'm and I'm being I stay persistent to say, you know, respectfully. Mm -hmm. of like how things are going do you still have a boyfriend if not you know let's go out and, and she you know it's credit to my wife and i love i love her for it. her loyalty towards her man was is is awesome that just made it made it for me even more enticing that i wanted to be with this woman one day uh she ended up breaking up with him at some point and allowed me into her life but i just wasn't mature enough for her at that time um and we've been back and did back and forth for many years, just uh, especially with me being overseas and her being back here, uh, just never really truly dated, mm-hmm. uh, spent some good time with each other, but it, it wasn't until um, 2021 that I reconnected with her and assured her that I was finally the man that uh, she's wanted and needed all along, especially for her daughter. Um, because I, I, I believe it's, it's actually such a blessing Um, for a woman that may have a child already to not only want you for her spouse, but she sees you have the qualities of being a good father as well and role model for their daughter. So it was great blessing that she could see that within me. Uh, I did grow up a lot and mature a lot through the years of my foolishness and just trying to figure things out. Um, But yeah. And, and uh, we reconnected, we actually stopped talking completely in
1: 2018.
3: Hmm. So um, when I reached out to her in May of 2021, uh she
1: didn't have my number saved she well she hadn't saved but she had to save as do not answer do not answer yeah i gotta do, do those yeah. so my my do not answer is a life insurance guy that wouldn't leave me alone that's my do not answer are you serious <laughs> yeah well
3: wow, man so persistent
1: yeah, yeah. Well, you got like a you got like a 10 million dollar policy on your name or no something? i i don't know i was like does this guy know i'm like i'm like in my my early 30s like i'm, I'm not a prime target for this yeah I don't oh know. man uh, but yeah, and uh,
3: we reconnected and, and moved pretty quickly with proceeding towards marriage. I um I mean, that was the thing I told her. I was like, hey, I'm not reconnecting with you just to be friends and play games. I want to reconnect with you to get married and to start a life together because I see that you are everything that I've wanted in a wife and and you make me a better man. And all those, not say those buzzwords, but those, those words that I said that we hear that I actually truly meant and wanted to live. And uh, we got engaged in, in France. Mm, nice. uh, I, had, I had to go to Italy in November, and we had a layover in France. And I took that moment to uh, set something up with my good buddy. Will you get connecting mm. me with a, a event planner and a and a videographer? And uh, oh man, she was just like, "What the heck? <laughs> Are you serious? This is like what?" Like with the Eiffel Tower sparkling in the back. Oh wow, the bi- whole thing. Violinist, yeah,
1: it was. We, I went all out on that. It was. It was well worth it. Wow, that's awesome. So okay, so that's 2021, and then we get to 2022, and, and this is where probably why people have heard about you in recent times. Unfortunately, the reason that you were in the news was because of your accident. Um, right. Can you just tell, tell take us through it? Tell us what what do you remember about? Do you remember all of it? Because I know people people have yeah. seen that you're you know that you're obviously. You're battling, you're trying to get back to where you were, but I don't think they know how you got there. So that's what I was curious to find out more.
3: Yeah, buddy. Um, context there. I was living, still living in Jacksonville. My wife, my fiance at the time, was living in Nebraska. Uh, I was living in an apartment and um, still working with the SEC network um, I, and, and still working for t company, Campus Legends. Uh, so basketball season ended around March-ish, you know, for the SEC. And then my lease on my apartment ended up around the same time. So because the basketball season was pretty much over, uh, I had no reason to just, I could stay in Jacksonville, but like, you know what? I'm going to go up to Nebraska, spend time with my fiance and her family and her daughter. Uh, just get a chance to really get ingrained with the the family as we're going to, cause it's going to be big. Once we get married honeymoon, we're driving across country mm-hmm. uh, from Nebraska to Jacksonville to start our new life as the young. So uh, I spent about, I spent a month in Nebraska, came back home, Got some stuff settled, and then I spent went back up to Nebraska to stay there until our wedding, um and I had so much free time on my hands, man. Like with with campus, the job wasn't super demanding. I was playing a lot of golf. <laughs> my game was getting so good. She, my wife lived right on the course, a nine hole course. So I'd take a lunch break, and I was like, you know, let's go take an, an hour break and just sit on this par four and work on our shots from 150 and in, and just yeah. work on let's chip around the green. Like it was. Freaking! I got soaked. My handicap was probably at like a nine or a 10. Wow. I mean, the best I've ever been. So uh, a buddy from church, from her church up there, he worked with an irrigation company and a uh, good friend. He's like, hey, man, if you want, you know, you can come and do some side work and just work with the company, you know, have something to do. I know you're uh, at home just chilling. I was like, yeah, man, I'd love to come out there and work with you. And I loved it, man. Like, it, it was a lot to learn. I consider it like adult Legos. Um, to it to an extent because we're putting together these big irrigation pivots and there are many parts to put these things together. Once they're together, they're on a farmer's land or someone that has a bunch of land that's uh, it waters their crops. You know, obviously these crops uh, end up get, getting harvested and they feed thousands of people. So it's a it's had a big huge purpose behind it. So it's it's hard work. It's strenuous. It's long. Like my buddy would come and pick me up at four fifty in the morning and we'd get wow. back home. I know, right? we get back home around like four or five, sometimes like, you know, 12 hour days, but it's nice, man. Your phone wasn't really working out there. You get, you know, you're sweating, you're putting in that work and then you come back home, crack open a beer and you (laughs) feel like you you really did some work and then, you know, you get up and do it again. And uh, I had been doing it for about two weeks. Um, You know, this is, we're going, already my wife lives in a city that doesn't have a lot of people. It's like city population of 3000. So when we're going to work, Uh, We're driving a few, you know, 10, 15 miles out from the city to to get to these large uh, sections of land, to work on these pivots, to fix them, repair them, transport them, anything in in between. So uh, it was one day that we were transporting, had a job we're transporting from one one location to another. um, And we dropped off the fifth piece. We had one more to go and uh, hooked them all up together, the wheels, all the good stuff there. We were heading back and... um, Normally, my buddy, he goes in front of me and I just follow. Um, but I wanted to get up there because I had a phone call I needed to make. Uh, he's driving in a bigger, larger boom truck. I'm driving a, a small pickup truck because I usually go behind him to, to to transport these pivots. Like we hook them up and they're 150 feet long. And we are wow. driving down the, the main road to transport these things. Uh, it wasn't a road I'm super familiar with. And there's nothing to say like stop sign coming up. So I'm going about 30 miles per hour, 30, 35. I wouldn't say any faster than that um i'm going up a slope on the dirt road and then i'm coming back down and as soon as i, I see i'm coming back down you can see the road the stop sign was like 20 30 feet away mm. um, so I'm, I'm coming up on this major highway intersection um and you can't see if a vehicle's coming either way left or right uh so my first instinct i just think a whole oh, crop hit the brakes get out of the way so i slam on the brakes i turn my wheel to the left you know If I I can go back, i would probably try to turn to the right and hit the stop sign. Maybe hitting Mm. the stop sign would slow me down. Um, So my car goes completely parallel to the road and ends up the momentum is still taking it to where the car is uh, going to go off the road, off this ditch. Car flips around one time and upon landing on all four wheels, um, I feel my my whole body just compresses. And I'm just in an awkward angle when it compresses. I feel there's a pop in my back. Mm. And immediately I knew something was wrong. Um, couldn't feel my legs. Uh blood was on my hands. Uh, I'm just freaking out, you know, at this point. And I'm just so thankful by the grace of God that I was able to grab my phone and make a and make a call. I didn't hit my head, didn't hurt my neck, um, uh I fractured my shoulder blade, uh, but it was fine. My ribs were all bruised, bruised up. But called got got on the phone, called my buddy, told him to call 911 because I didn't call the police because I didn't know the exact location.
1: To oh, that's tell them point.
3: yeah, yeah at, you know, yeah. Uh, so I had him call, and then I called my mom, called my wife. And I mean, I used a lot of words at that moment in time because it's, it's surreal, man. You know, it's yeah. you know, no one thinks it's going to happen to them, no one thinks, but like, this is life, like, hard things happen to anybody and everybody at any point in time. Like, it does not matter how good I was at basketball or how good of a person people can like, hard stuff just gets handed to people. So, um. I, I was down there for about 15 to 20 minutes before Kevin was able to locate me. He said, you couldn't see my truck, my car from the road. Uh, then I got, uh, I got transported from there to an ambulance, ambulance to uh, uh, a life, life, uh, life flight, uh, which uh, they air me from um, Nebraska to South Dakota, where I had to have surgery uh, for eight and a half hours. Mm. On my back. Ended up getting two rods and eight screws and oh man it's just like what the heck you know you can't put it into words mm-hmm. first thing's going through your mind is why is this real this can't be real like this is this isn't happening like i'm getting married in 10 days you know wow. like this Jeez. can't be like what the heck no like mm-hmm. uh let's let's redo this again cuz there's no way this is what's supposed to happen like uh and you know I wake up from surgery and if i see you know my wife was there right before i got the surgery and i wake up and my my mom and sister are there and it's just emotional overload you know the reality of you may never be you know that you can't walk now you cannot mm-hmm. body feels weird and you're in pain and you don't know what's going to happen next but for some reason there was just uh through all this time there was just a peace that i knew everything was going to be okay i i can't even explain it i just knew that everything was going to be okay that i'm thankful that i have life that of course this is hard the initial part of it but i just knew everything was going to be okay and um you know, i know everyone's situation is different but for me you know now that i'm five months almost five months removed from my accident things are so much better than that initial phase and there's just so much hope and there's so much blessing it's such a blessing in being able to have the opportunity to use what most people from the outside looking in would say oh man that's tough for patrick um this is a tragedy this is and it's like no i'm going to be the one that's in a position to make this mean to mean what I want it to mean, it's going to impact people. It's going to bring be about positivity, gratitude, weathering the storms of life because that's storms are inevitable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like the things that we do every day, we can prepare for them. We can we can cover up and and hide ourselves in truth, and then sometimes, guess what? You can just outlast. Sometimes the the, the pains and and hard things that happen, just you, you know, all pain is temporary. All you need to do sometimes is just not allow it to change you and your foundation of who you are and what you believe, but just outlast it because it will pass. So I'm in mean, full full belief as I'm working in this process daily with my rehab that this is going to pass and I'm going to continue to get better as I have already. And I can't wait to see what's next. So um, yeah, I'm here in Jacksonville right now doing rehab five days a week, start a foundation to help people that go through similar but not exact identical situations as, as mine. And I have a golf tournament coming up on December twelfth that's going to raise a lot of money and, and benefit people that uh you know can't afford healthcare or equipment or uh continued therapy or family meal plans. Cause it's, it's a lot, man. These yeah. through a life changing accident like this, uh financially you can you can become bankrupt.
1: Mm-hmm. Not
3: not only emotionally and mentally and spiritually and are you bankrupt with from hope. But like literally financially, you become bankrupt thinking that, you know, there's no way I'm ever going to be able to make it out of the situation.
1: At any point, did they tell you you'll never walk again? Or did they say that you're not going to walk now, but if you do X, Y and Z, you might be able to. What was the outlook when you first got every after the surgery and you're all squared away?
3: No, um, no one ever said that you won't walk again. Um, That was never uh, the words that came out of. Uh, because initially when you have a spinal cord injury it, it's hard to tell you know there's there's different types of and levels of your injury um there's the complete and an incomplete and Asia a levels and uh one researcher just told me like you'll you won't really know until two years after wow two years after where you'll see how much you progress or haven't progressed it's like the only way your spinal cord would really be like if someone gets a a, a, a ninja sword and literally just like cuts through your spinal cord. And it's like, no, I mean, it, it, you know, nerves grow very slow, but they do grow. Mm -hmm. Um, and they, they give you a snapshot of where you are, you know, every six months or so. And, um, I was considered a complete Asia a, which is, you know, a very low percent chance of being able to walk again at the initial, you know, initial, um, phase of my injury. And, um, as of late, as of recently, you know, five months out, I've been, um, yeah, recategorized as an incomplete Asia seat. Um So just with going, skipping a letter and going down the seat, um that increases your chances of walking again drastically from one to five to 20%. You know, mm-hmm. so, um, but the thing is in life, if we want change, if we want to grow, if we want to accomplish anything in life, like if you're not willing to work for it, you know, nothing's just going to drastically just change. So, you know, in this time period, I have, I'm going to work for it. I'm going to push for it. I'm going to believe for it. But, and also within that, you know, I'm not going to wait to choose joy and be happy until that thing happens. I said today, today is the best day of my life. So then tomorrow, if tomorrow comes and I'm going to live that way. And I'm going to be the best dad and father and husband I can be, uh, friend, employee. So by making that choice, I hope it can inspire people that despite your circumstances they don't have to change how you choose to live your life uh daily and if you and don't allow uh the change of a circumstance predicate how you're going to live you know live your life each day to the fullest like you have the choice of that you can control so much and that's just what i've been striving to do like we get we literally get eighty six thousand four hundred seconds a day
0: <laughs>
3: and you can't get them back so I, I refuse to let uh any one of those seconds re- you know ruin my 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 present day or future I wish I would have figured that out a long time when I was playing basketball under coach Donovan I would have been able to be what's much, much more effective because oftentimes I will let a bad play play or a missed call or something just affect my next play or next few plays or whatever that may be and then before you know it you know you ruined the you know you didn't get better at practice and you don't get time back in a mm-hmm. season you got 500 hours of practice. Like if you're wasting them, that's all you get. Uh, that's the, and that was the message I tried to reiterate to the guys this year when yeah. I came in and spoke to them in September, like 500 hours is all you get. Don't waste them because you don't, you don't get a single one back.
1: When and talking basketball, I know between being obviously in Jacksonville close to, and then on top of that, um, you know, having the opportunity to, to work with the sec network and do games. Uh, what have you seen of the program up close now? with uh you know with Todd Golden and and a, a new direction.
3: Well uh you scratch out this West Virginia game because I don't know <laughs> what happened, man. I, I wanna I wanna put the blame on uh just so many games in a short time frame because that was just an outlier of a game where so uncharacteristic um of who the guys are. Uh you know what kills me sometimes with watching the team is um you know, Coach Golden has his rule of them having like six kills, you get three stops in a row on a team, and those are it's great. It's awesome to have those, but it it's like almost a reverse kill when you give up a basket, you miss you miss a dunk or something on the opposite play, and then they score like a, like we give up too many five and six point swings mm-hmm. that just kill our momentum. Like that, it it absolutely is so deflating. Um, we, I see so many so many mistakes that we make that, you know, we're playing teams of, of lower competition level, but it's not going to fly in the SEC. It's is it's not. Um, and we have the talent. We have the length. We are shooting the ball a little bit better as of late. Um, going to need that. You know, Mike White's team last year was the one of the worst three-point shooting teams in Florida basketball history. Can't you have know, that. You can't, you can't shoot less than 30% or 30% on the year and, and expect to win a lot of games. So um, I like Coach Golden. I think he's, he's humble enough to know that uh, he doesn't have everything figured out and he's working on his, his stuff this year, um, trying to figure out his rotations. I really like Riley Kugel. Um, he's making some freshman mistakes. as You can imagine, but he plays so hard. Um, I, I just hope as, you know, them coaching these guys defensively positioning and not overcommitting. Um, you know, you don't, you don't make up, get a lot of steals by over committing because once you over commit and you miss, you know, you, you create an imbalance uh, that's when you get beat rebounding. That's when fouls start happening. Uh, that's when watch open threes. Uh, so just, this team needs some more discipline. Um, I wish they played a little bit faster. Uh, I'm looking for consistency. We, you know, you can't have like, what, what does our team do really well? You know, what is, what is that thing that you say is our identity mm-hmm. and, for some games, it was getting the ball into Colin to take 15, 16 shots per game, playing five out. Uh, we're not really turning teams over to getting it out in the break that much. We're not taking a lot of threes. We're not, like, what is the identity? is Because I know I know Coach Golden, he wants that ball to get touched. And it makes sense. Dribble drive, touch the paint. Mm-hmm. Get somebody to overcommit. Get the ball out. Um, you know, I, I do like the team early on. I, I, I thought... Think Coach Golden has an opportunity for this team to still make the tournament. Um, Fortunately, you have a lot of good team tournament teams in the SEC, Um, but right now I don't see them above a middle of the pack SEC team. Not yet.
1: Mm -mm. So I wasn't going to ask you about this, but after hearing you for this time we've spent together, I'm thinking, okay, he's got he's got the motivational speaking part down, and clearly you got the X's and O's. I hear a coach. I, I oh, hear no. I hear a future coach. Are you? Is it something you've thought about? Is that a path you want to go down?
3: Someone asked me this the other day about my career path that I want to go on. Um, I, I I do like the aspect of coaching because it is something relationship based. It's passion. I love basketball. Uh, you are having impact there, so I would not scratch it off the table. But being a part of the SEC network, especially with my accident, and showing up for people and being able to inspire that, hey, despite this, I'm still going to show up. And then also. With my speaking that I have been doing, um, people are inspired by the story by like I spoke at a a company a few weeks ago and they're like, what? You're doing all this and you're four months out like like, yeah, man, I I don't I don't allow my circumstances. If anything, I'm going to tell them my circumstances. I'm going to laugh at them and I'm going to go out there and prove like, hey, this is what you can do despite your circumstances. You can control how you behave, how you see yourself, what you believe, how you handle, you know, quote unquote defeat. Um, mm-hmm. so it's been really impactful for people and for me, because when I'm preaching things to people, it's, it's reinforcing it to myself that I got to be accountable to it. I got to yeah. live it, you know? And I like that. Uh, I like that, you know, put your, put your, your actions where your, where your mouth is. So, um, there is a good dynamic to that That in coaching too. You know, you look at some of the best coaches in our, in our country and they have just such a, a level of accountability and how they live their lives and how they show up every day. That's why I love Coach White. Um, even though, you know, things didn't work out for him, he was an everyday guy. Mm-hmm. He literally showed up every day trying to help his team to get better to the best of his ability. He just had some really tough breaks, and, um, you know, after seven years is enough of a – it's not to the level that we we need right now, so we're going to part ways. But um thankful for him to come in, and, and obviously t- C- Coach Gold knows the standard of what is expected – Um, he's a fantastic guy as well. You know, it's just getting guys to understand and, and execute and bring that level of intensity every day. But um, I don't know, man, coaches spend so much time on the road. It's true. I don't know. It's a a tough life. It's a tough life.
1: life. Mm. Um, Well, before we go here, I do want to give you a chance to tell people more about your foundation. I know it's in the very early stages, but what can people do to get involved? How can they support you and your mission?
3: Yeah. So um, if you go to P-Y, the number four, so P-Y, my initials, number four, foundation.org, you can connect with me directly. Um, Has a story, everything about what's going on there. Um, I'm in the middle of everything right now. I know a lot lot of people are kind of laissez-faire when they start things and expect other people to do it, but I'm not that kind of guy. You do. You Uh, go all in. (laughs) I go all in, you know, and it's, I, you know you want to you want to learn you want i want to learn at the same time while i'm doing it uh but as of now we have the foundation's first annual golf tournament is this upcoming uh monday on december 12th at the yards in jacksonville uh we still have a few sponsorships left open um it's going to be a great event lee humphrey's going to be out there nice. uh sporting, um prizes on every hole uh an awesome silent auction uh all the things that people need and want and uh, to have a good golf tournament, got to beat the pro challenge. Was going to be awesome. Giving out uh, giving out a signed jersey at the event. Um, and have what was really cool. We have this uh, charity golf gun. Where where is it going to shoot the golf balls? Uh, it's going to shoot it straight at the hole. And and, and I made try to make this as fair as possible because uh, it's going to be a closest to the pin on that hole everyone has the same chance leveling the playing field in a very unique way yeah yeah yeah, so you know (laughs) there's some women out there that coming out to play you know all you do shoot the gun and you got an opportunity if someone sinks it that would be freaking awesome but the the gun
1: can shoot up to like 450 yards can it really yeah i'd I'd make sure we clear that clear whatever's behind the green got to get put up like a net put a, a top golf net or something to stop everything there
3: well, I'm pretty sure the guy that has it, he's like he tweaks
1: it so it's gonna be at a certain range. I'm gonna say hey, Turn hey, it man. down a few notches, right? Yeah, dial it down. It's a yeah, part four. So. Dial it down, dial it down a little bit. Um well listen, Pat, you're you're one of our favorite people to have on this podcast. Gator Nation loves you. I know what happened to you made everybody really sad, but hopefully when they hear this and they see what you're doing, they realize you've taken it and like everything, you've made it a positive. So Your inspiration is so many. Thank you for sharing this story and and thank you for, for all that you're doing um, for, for Gator nation, for anybody who's going through the the kind of challenges that that you're going through right now.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, you know, last, last words, thank you so much for having me. Um, It's so important in our lives to not only be, because we live in such an egocentric world. It's all about me. It's all about me. All about me. What about this and that? And Hey, you know, when you're faced with tough situations or maybe you're not you're not in a season, uh, take the time to just really get to know people and ask them and love up on them because you never know. There is no insignificant touch to somebody that you can make to impact their lives. You know, being kind literally costs nothing. Um, being able to take those steps to help people in their lives, because life is so short, man. You know, we get, as I said, each day we're deposited 86,400 seconds and you can't, get them back once they're gone and, and prayerfully we get another 86 400 the next day um so with that with that being said you know choose kindness choose joy we're all going through this human experience of life together um you know my message is bigger more than just sports more than just being a part of gator nation obviously my heart and soul are attached there but i i care about i care about people um even though you know people may make mistakes and do stupid things and have life-changing accidents like I did no one wants that um, mm-hmm. nobody looks for that and seeks for it so right. if, if anything you can do to provide help to uh, bring somebody hope or lighten their day um, you know I urge you I urge you all that's listening to do that take the steps to make that extra effort and do something that is completely for somebody else without expecting anything in need in in, in return that is the biggest sign of kindness I I can imagine i can define uh so but thank you again for having me it's a it's a pleasure to have this platform i'm still not at the point where i can say this is the best thing that's ever happened to me but i am grateful that i've been able to use what seems like a tragedy and turned it into something that is so powerful and impacting people because that's all i want to do at the
1: end of the day and that's going to do it for this week's show If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to Gator Tales wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review to help us continue to grow. Be sure to keep track of all of the orange and blue action by visiting FloridaGators.com, then come back here every Thursday during the athletic season for an all-new episode. Until then, I'm Adam Schick. Thank you so much for tuning in to Gator Tales.